We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. KC Laboratory. Sponsored by Emprise Bank. It's the KC Laboratory presented by Emprise Bank. Find a bank that doesn't flag you for holding. In fact, one that will reward you for it. Just don't tell the refs. Earn 1.75 APY on your monthly balance with a high interest checking account at Emprise Bank. Visit EmpriseBank.com. Member FDIC. So appreciative of them helping us out uh, to you know get KC Sports Network going where it's heading and uh, really appreciative of them. So we've got uh, a little bit to talk about today. Uh, there's some news and we'll get to it. For sure. And you he helped me do it are my dear pals. First spot him on Twitter at Chief in Carolina. Matthew Lane. Hello, my friend. How you doing, Kent? You didn't ask me how I was doing, but I'm still gonna share. I'm doing well. And uh there's a lot of there's a lot of football news for us Chiefs fans, and not the good kind, not the exciting <laughs> kind this week. Uh we're coming off of, you know, some of these uh mandatory camp stuff last week, and it was a lot of fun. You know, we kind of all had a little bit of energy for just the season to start. And now all of a sudden you just get so we're we're going to get into it, but essentially we're talking about the defensive end room, you know, some of the issues going on with Frank Clark and what that whole room is going to look like, and it's just it's a deflating kind of news. Now you just know the off season is going to drag on for a long time. I, Craig, how do we get through this? I don't know. The same way that we got through the previous three off seasons, that the Chiefs seemingly had some sort of off field incident that dragged on through the middle of June and into July. We'll get to training camp and we'll be the ones we'll be here. We're going to talk to you about the football side of things. And, you know, there's going to be so many people that are going to project all the off field side of things. That's not what we're about. We're going to be about the football side of things. So we're going to talk a little bit, like Maddie said, about the defensive end room and discuss where the Chiefs sit. Because even before all this news, even before whatever happens in this situation, it was a little thin, right, Kent? Absolutely. And we were looking at the, the roster and the depth chart going, eh, I don't know. I don't know about this group. It looked very primed to add uh, add some you know veterans to the mix. I think I might even read about it on KC Sports Network Substack, which you can go to kcsn.substack.com and probably find. Uh, also, by the way, we're we're doing paid now too. Hey, look at that for a for a nice little shameless plug. But um, yeah, this was always a you know kind of a you know a, a, an area for concern, and I think the lines are a little bit I don't want to say blurred here from a perception standpoint. But Chris Jones in the mix, we don't know entirely what capacity 
how they plan to use him. We can guess we have some pretty good ideas that he's probably going to be operating, you know, as a defensive end in the base and then maybe, you know, kick inside in some of the rush situations. But um, there's some blurred lines with with the depth, with some of the, you know, with some of that, you know, who's actually going to be seeing the field. I think there's some serious questions there, Maddie. Well, I mean, just talking about the depth, the Chiefs' depth was at a point into which they took the best interior pass rusher and said, hey, we need you to change positions and go play outside. <laughs> now, I'm not saying that you know Chris Jones won't thrive out there. I think we all know Chris Jones has been asking to play defensive end since he got into the league. But still, the Chiefs finally decided to make that move. And I don't think it was for a specific singular player reason. Like I've seen it floated around right now that due to Frank Clark's early off-season running with the law for essentially the same thing that he just got busted for now, which I guess we can go ahead and talk about it. He was pulled over on a traffic stop, a traffic violation of some kind, in which the officer saw a gun, an illegal firearm in California in the car. So he was arrested. He did you know, bail himself out the following day, but this has happened twice now this off-season. So after the first one, there's been some people that have speculated that Chris Jones was kicked at defensive end because of that. And I just simply don't think that would be the case. I think we saw when Tyreek Hill was going through some off-field stuff, if the Chiefs were worried that Frank Clark wasn't going to be around, they would have went up above and beyond to draft his replacement to get in a young player. Really? I don't think they'd be moving a player mm-hmm. position. So I just want to start there that I don't think Chris Jones is kicking out the defensive end because of what's going on with Frank Clark off the field. I mean, do either of you guys disagree with this? Nah, no, not at all. No. Because here's the thing. The chiefs needed another defensive end across from Frank Clark. I, this is not a direct correlation to Frank Clark at all. They still needed another guy that could play out there and rush the passer well enough, set the edge well enough. Go kid. You're excited. I have about the name. That. I have Who's the, the name. name? Who's it the would name? have been, it would have been Boogie Basham. Yeah, it would have been. Boogie really Basham went a few picks after Nick Bolton. And if the Chiefs were worried about the defensive end position so much uh, and anticipating that, um, you know, Frank Clark might miss some time because of that first initial, uh, Boogie Basham's a Chief. He fits, he is perfect. Oh, he's a perfect yeah. fit. He's, you know, he's got the, he's got the density to, you know, kick up, you know, kick inside and play along the defensive line. Big physical. Boogie Basham is a is a Kansas City Chief instead of Nick Bolton. If the Chiefs are so concerned about Frank Clark missing time or not being on this team back in March, I mean it. It also could have easily been you know uh, Deo Yingbo. Uh, we're talking Aziz Ojalari. Like the Chiefs, if they really really needed it, they would have pushed for this and they would have tried to trade up for a player just like they did. With Nicole Hardman, you know, uh, we we kind of had seen a similar sort of deal. So no, I don't, I don't think for a second that Chris Jones moving out there had anything to do with what was going on in March with Frank Clark. I just think that this team really thought that Chris Jones and with Jaron Reed or Jaron Reed. I'm so <laughs> sorry, Jaron. I am so very sorry. I've been correct, Jaron Reed. Um, <laughs> With him in the mix, I think that they just felt like they had the opportunity to actually get Chris out there, and they felt like he could be effective. I think that that's the entire correlation. Yeah, and I just wanted to make sure that we kind of touched on that when we went into this, because I know that's a question that we've been asked, you know, in the 
KC Sports Network Discord a couple times. I'm sure we've all had seen those kind of questions coming up on Twitter. So it's out there. And I wouldn't say that there's absolutely zero correlation, but it's just, it wasn't the main factor in it. The Chiefs were not panicking about Frank Clark and then decided to make a positional move, but not address the posi- same position in the draft. We've seen this do the same song and dance with drafting McCole Hardman maybe a little bit early to protect for the potential or possible loss of Tyree Kill that didn't occur. They have no problems doing that if they were concerned. We've seen that in the past. So I just wanted to you know, get our thoughts out there on that. But I mean, outside that, you start looking at this team's depth. It, they moved Chris Jones out to defensive end. So you've got a guy playing defensive end for the first time since maybe as a freshman in college. Taco Charlton's coming off of a season-sending injury. You have Tim Ward, who Craig just wrote a great article on the KC Sports Network Substack talking about what you you can hope for from him going forward, where you want to see his development. And at that point, you're kind of starting to run out of guys that have played in the NFL. Damone Harris, I believe, is still floating around the yeah. roster. But you're running out of players that have even proven they can play at the NFL level. I mean, Mike Dana. Got to throw I Mike Dana in there. Yeah, yeah, you got to throw Mike Dana in there too. But yeah, though, I think what the Chiefs are probably planning on doing at the start of all this was kind of a defensive end by committee situation. I think we thought that, I mean, we've said on this podcast multiple times that Chris Jones likely going to play defensive end on some early downs and kick inside. And then that was going to give way to Taco Charlton that we saw was a very effective dime rusher last year. Not necessarily a terrific base down player, but maybe another year in Spagnuolo's system, he could transition into a three down guy. But we've seen some some mixtures of some base guys, some dime guys, but not, you know, guys that can do everything, not can be out there for all three downs. So I do think that they were going to kind of platoon the situation a little bit more than I, I think we all, I, I'm speaking for the three of us here, would like them to have a guy that can go out there and play on all three downs and be effective on all three downs. I think we kind of talked about this a little bit during the draft is maybe they're trying to cobble together a quality defensive end between a Mike Dana and a Josh Kando long term. Mm-hmm. I think Maddie might have thrown that idea out there like a couple of days after the draft is, you know, Mike Dana, maybe on some of the early downs and hopefully you can get something out of Josh Kando rushing the past run, you know, um, you know, on, 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 on third down, but yeah, there's just there's a lot of question marks. Even you know, it's it's it, the Chiefs very often operate with I don't want to say thin margins. That may not be the right word, but when you have a top heavy roster that the way the Chiefs do, where they invest in their stars, they have two stars or guys getting paid like stars on their defensive line right now, Frank Clark uh, and Chris Jones. You've got to kind of piece things together around them, if you know, and and just this roster in general. There's a lot of undrafted free agent type players. Tim Ward, undrafted free agent, by the way, uh, or or day three picks, uh, you know, one year contracts. So you've got Taco Chart. We've got we've got all three of those guys. We got all three of those those types represented. Mike Dana, Josh Kando, day three picks. Damone Harris, Tim Ward, undrafted free agents. Taco Charlton, one year contract. This is a group cobbled together with minimal assets assets outside the stars. So if one of these stars goes down, and this goes for most positions, you know, in a lot of different ways. Oh, sure. With this team, how top heavy that they are in their approach to roster building, you're going to run into these problems where one of these guys goes down, one of your key players goes down, and oh, all of a sudden, Mike Dana is getting a ton of run, and they're not generating a ton of pressure over there on that side of the football. It's it's there's. 
this is the byproduct of some of the issues that you see there. So now this team has a lot of parts. And I, Craig, I don't know how many roster spots they're going to be able to devote to, to creating this, some of these parts. It feels like, you know, if it's probably five, and the, the, the farther I get into this, I think we're probably looking at, at five defensive ends making this football team, not including Chris Jones. That's what I was, that's what I was going to say. It's going to be how you classify Chris Jones because, you know, Frank Clark's on here. Mike Dana's on here. Kane Doe's on here. They're not giving up on him before they give him a chance. So now you've got Taco Charlton and you've got a commission here. Is that going to be Tim Ward? Is that going to be Damone Harris? Is that going to be uh, uh, the Georgia kid whose name I just Willie forgot? Caring. Thank you. But he has, he's been injured. So, I mean, he See, has I don't even really know if he's on... health going to be healthy yeah, play this year. I think, I... Malik Herring might be on the Tim Ward path. He yeah, might be on the pup list, mystery IR kind of mm-hmm. pup list where they just stash him for a year. Yeah, I'm on board with that because Malik Herring, eh, coming out of college, a little bit better player than Tim Ward, in my opinion. So I, I I do like that they've got those sorts of guys. But none of those guys really, you know, you look at as a solid guy if Frank Clark, you know, and I know there are varying opinions on Frank Clark, but if Frank Clark can't go, are any one of those guys going to really instill you with a bunch of confidence that they're going to be able to rush the passer? Well, they have not invested in the cornerback position. So they've relied on getting to the passer. They've relied on forcing quarterbacks to make low percentage throws. Now, all of a sudden, like we saw at points last year, when the four-man pass rush isn't getting the job done, quarterbacks can kind of pick them apart, especially at the end of games when the Chiefs are trying to protect a lead. This all of a sudden becomes a lot more critical that one of these guys steps up. I'm not even really targeting. I'm not saying oh, it's going to be Taco Charlton. It's just one of these guys has to take that step forward, Matty. Yeah, let's go down the hypothetical rabbit hole. You know, so you yeah. say you're not picking a specific player that has to do it, but no, that's exactly what we're going to do. We are going to okay. pick let's the go. exact player. Let's it's hypothetically, Frank Clark has to miss the first six games of the season. And when he comes back, you don't know what you're getting at this point in time, right? Let's just hypothetically, who is the one player that Ooh. benefits the most on the Chiefs? Which other defensive end steps up and has the biggest impact during I, the time that he'd be missing? Kent, you're up. I think it's... It, work with me here josh kando getting thrown into the fire because of necessity helps accelerate his development maybe not week one maybe not week two but i bet you he's better than tim ward and and he's gonna he's gonna he has more juice than mike dana so affecting the passer i think josh kando getting thrown into the fire and being forced to play actually midway through that stretch he could actually show some promise and some disruption because, I mean, the, the, the cupboard's pretty bare there, guys. I mean, we're in this, the, the bar to clear isn't particularly high. And you see some of these rookies, maybe Spags is reluctant to play a rookie, but then they get thrown into the fire. You know, they, they, make, they might make the most of that opportunity. I mean, obviously, year two Kando, year three Kando is the guy. Like, I mean, we're we are high on Josh Kando. He's just got a lot of steps to take before he gets in there. And yeah, maybe and maybe getting him on the field, just throwing him to the wolves and saying, "Son, we need you." You know, maybe maybe that's what he needs to really trigger and step forward to the NFL level. I think it's probably Taco Charlton, just because. He's been in the system now. And Mike Dana is going to get some benefit as well. I just think that Taco Charlton, 
on those later reps, on those obvious passing downs, offered a lot. He led the Chiefs in pressure rate, granted in limited snaps. Now, Chris Jones and Frank Clark definitely outperformed him, but in limited snaps, he led the Chiefs in pressure rate. I think that that'll continue because I think you saw him still having to sort out Spagnuolo's scheme a little bit. That's why he was only playing on some dime downs there. So I think we're going to see a better version of Taco Charlton than we did last year. It's just how much burst does he still have? Is he still got, does he have that juice that he had last year coming off an injury? That's the major question for me, but I think he might, might be able to turn that corner and become more of a three down guy. I think in this scenario, you'd almost have to go with Taco Charlton because of all these guys that we've talked about here. And this, you can even include Chris Jones in this. He's the one guy that's proven to be a semi-efficient or semi-effective pass rusher off the edge. He wasn't great with the Cowboys. He wasn't great with the Dolphins, but he's put multiple reps out there. He has strung together multiple weeks worth of games showcasing the ability to rush from the outside. So if you had to pick one of these defensive ends to say, okay, in Clark's absence, he would be the most effective. Taco Charlton seems like the easiest guy, but I almost do want to go with Mike Dana here for this. And for the simple reasons we spend on this podcast, we spend a lot of time talking about how good Frank Clark is on early downs, how good of a run defender he is, how well he shuts down essentially offenses from running to the left or at him. Mike Dana's not at that level right now, but Mike Dana is a really darn good run defender, even as a rookie. He does a really good job with his hands. He's incredibly smart. He seems to have a pretty good grasp on what Steve Spagnuolo's system is, so there will be a few plays where you can tell he just doesn't have the juice to make a play, but the amount of times that he's in the right spot, he's able to turn runners back away from him. He is able to control a blocker and peel off to make a play on the ball. Like I think his early down work is actually going to move the needle a lot for the Chiefs because that's arguably one of the biggest things they are going to be missing without Frank Clark is just that base defensive end. And I do think that's something a lot of fans have taken for granted when he hasn't been putting up double digit sacks. Well, it's yeah. effort. It's effort sacks too for him. He's a guy that, you know, like it's, it, mm-hmm. he was, you know, and it's just effort plays in, in pressure. Uh, you know, he's continuing to play. He continues to play through the whistle. And that's something that, I mean, he wound up generating two and a half sacks last year. Good mm-hmm. on him. Talk with Char- Charlton got two. Like we're getting all, you know, and he got two in a limited sample size. I understand. Okay, great. Taco Charlton, four sacks. All right, fine. He was generating a lot more pressure, but um, I, I don't know why, guys. I'm a little bit like, I'm just kind of with 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 Taco, and this is kind of how I felt all offseason, and maybe I shouldn't have, and maybe I shouldn't be as like, eh. But it's kind of just, it's it still feels like wait and see. It could, still kind of feels like, a pretty big unknown. A guy coming out of an in, off an injury. Obviously, he had a sample size of success here last year, but I am worried about the injury, and I am a little bit worried that you know he's gonna what he's gonna be able to do this year. I'm waiting for him to kind of prove it. And you can kind of say the same thing about Josh Kando. I just think if he gets, I think if Josh Kando gets opportunity, he's the one with the ceiling to actually grasp, um, you know, grasp onto something here and actually make an impact where. Guys like Taco and Dana, I think we know what they are, or we know what we hope, and, and I think we we hope Taco is what what we saw of him last year. Yeah, I mean, and, and to go back to Mike Dana real quick, I know I know the word effort sacks get gets kind of thrown around a little bit, like game manager as as like a bad thing. <laughs> 
let's let's call them IQ sacks. Like I, that's, I think, that's, that's, you know, hey. honestly, I, I feel like that's very applicable to Mike Dana. I think the way that he processes the game and the speed that he processes it allowed him to sniff out some of those some of those bootlegs and some of those things that are meant designed to fool that guy. And call him effort, call him effort TFLs too. I mean, there was oh, some, there was a lot of quick play ID in the run game too. No doubt about it. You're right, Craig. Yeah, yeah. So I, I just want to make it very clear. We're not dunking on Mike Dana by calling him effort sex at all. Dude, dude's super smart. Okay, real quick. Without, a, a, I just want this rapid fire here. All right? Sure. Who leads the Chiefs outside of Frank Clark not including Chris Jones, pressures, sacks. Kent, go first. Oh, this is horrible. Jaron Reed. <laughs> okay. And both? Am I to do that? Yeah, that's fine. Long that a bad answer? Line. That's fine. No? I'll go, I'll go think- Jaron Reed. Oh, I think that's the correct answer. I thought that was yeah. I thought that was the gimme for this, the entire thing. Um, so I'm a, the only other person whose hat I'm going to put in there. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do something crazy. I'm going to put at least for the sacks, Legarius Sneed's going in there, just because Ooh. Steve Spagnuolo loves his blitzes. Now, if we're going to talk, I I know that you know we are trying to go quick here, but we're going to talk about this defensive end room <laughs> and maybe it being a little bit thin, maybe them not being able to generate a ton of pressure. You know one way you alleviate that? You let Steve Spagnuolo dig down into that really deep Santa Claus-sized sack of pressure packages and just start pulling out everything he has, which he would love to. He would love to sit there and just call blitz after blitz after blitz, and he very well might. If you have Frank Clark missing time, you might have defensive backs coming four, five, six plays in a row. And here's the thing. Steve Spagnuolo doesn't just bring five guys. No. When he blitzes, I've been going through a lot of the Chiefs pressures from last these last two seasons. When Steve Spagnuolo blitzes, it's a lot of guys. You're getting six, seven, eight guys coming after the quarterback. And for some reason, Legarius Sneed has a really good knack for being the guy that gets home. If he's playing in the slot again, I would not be too surprised to see him edge towards four or five sacks by the end of the season. Yeah, uh, well, the correct answer is Taco Charlton. He's having an Emmanuel Ogba season. So uh, that's just the answer. Please no, I, 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 I think that that's right. Like, I mean, I honestly feel like Spagnolo. we saw it at the end of last year. You know, as, as I was charting the defense and things like that, we, we got to see this team ramp up their blitzing, get a little more exotic. We saw them blitzing a lot more safeties, a lot more slot corners. Like, And and we all are aware. Like they had, you know, how many games of that in a row? Four or five in a row that they had a, a member of the secondary that had a sack, and most of those were luxurious needs. So I, I, I just feel like he's comfortable doing that, but he also kind of doesn't want to do that as often as he had to last year. I mean, we see the kind of assets that Steve Spagnuolo has thrown into his defensive line throughout his entire coaching career. So that's not he's he's still blitz secondary members plenty. Don't get me wrong. Even when he had stud defensive lines, he still blitz plenty. But it wasn't to the extent that we kind of saw at the end of last year. So I I don't know. I, I, I really oh. I I. I had a perceived Maddie answer because I went with an interior defensive lineman. Maddie went legerious, full on legerious. Oh. And I just, that 
multiple mad answers, but I love that we're here talking about the defensive end position and generating pressure, and we are talking about Legereus Sneed because then I went and looked up Legereus Sneed's stats, and oh my goodness, how good is this guy? Real quick, yeah, three great. interceptions, seven pass def- passes defended, two sacks, two tackles for losses, three quarterback hits. This dude was a monster in a small – that was in nine games, and he wasn't a full-time <laughs> player for all nine of those games. What an absurd stat line. I know we got geeked out about uh, Legereus Need last year, but mercy. Worth it. Worth it. it. So let's put it this way. I'm putting together a top 10 defensive plays list for the KCSN substack, and I had to regulate how many Legereus Need plays I was allowing myself to put on it. He was that level of good. You sneeded to reduce the number of Legereus plays in your top We almost made it through a Legereus Sneed segment without you making a Sneed punt. We Mm. sneed to go now. We do (laughs) sneed to go. That's it for this episode of the Casey Laboratory presented by Emprise Bank member FDIC. Thank you so much to Emprise for helping make this possible. And thank you so much for sticking around to listen to us talk about our favorite football team and i'm guessing your favorite football team too we'll catch you later 